Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Lover Girls podcast. Today we have one of my very good friends, Charlotte Arsenault, as our guest. Charlotte is a third slash fifth year middle from Ottawa, Ontario, currently studying civil engineering at Dalhousie. She is also the president of Greater Love Dal, the captain of the women's volleyball team, and one of the varsity council team reps. Charlotte and I met when we played together at Dal. Last season, she won Dalhousie's 10th consecutive AUS championship and won a bronze medal at nationals. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. And we're very excited to have you on. Okay, I'd love to start with your first year at Dal. I know you started off as a red shirt, and I just wanted to say, you know, how far you've come and grown from little first year shower, but obviously the reality of coming on to a varsity team as a freshman, you know, you're not always going to secure the starting spot in your first year, and that was the case for you. We had a ton of really talented middles. Can you just talk about how you embraced that role and kind of found a way to thrive even though you weren't seeing a ton of court time? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously when I showed up, uh, nickname right off the bat was Shark Baby, so we kind of knew where we were starting off. I'd like to think I've evolved a little bit since then. I don't know. Kind oh, of retired Shar Baby, moved on. I don't know. Maybe Shar Daddy. I'm trying to test that. Trying to catch on. It's not quite working, but that's then. okay. See, oh, that has a nice ring to it. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, basically, um, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a really funny process actually. When I when I think back to it, um. When I was in grade 12, I kind of had a really concrete plan of what I thought I was going to do with myself. Um, Way back when, I thought I was going to stay in Ontario. I thought I was going to play soccer and I was going to be a teacher. And Lord knows I've done a complete 180 since then. So, um, yeah, I kind of had... I kind of put all my eggs in one basket in the recruiting process, um, especially my 18, like 17U, 18 year, um, and found out kind of February, grade 12, that um, that wasn't really going to pan out for me. Um, so then I had to start switching up because I knew that I wanted to play post-secondary sport. Like I knew that that was my dream. Um, and so I was just going to figure out a way to do it no matter what. So I <laughs> talked to my coach and I was like, well, you know, I like applied to like Dalhousie Engineering and I and I got in there. So maybe I could like, I don't even know, like, do they have a team? And she fully like laughed in my face. She's like, oh, do they ever? <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> you love to see it. Um, so I reached out to the coach um, in February, didn't get a hold of them until end of March, beginning of April, um, came out here for a visit. I absolutely loved the city. That was my second time on the East Coast, and it was amazing. Um, but I remember going to that one-on-one practice with the coach, completely like nervous out of my mind. I think I fully put my very first serve like straight under the net. Like It was the most horrifying moment of my life. I was like, oh my God, let me do that again. <laughs> Um, and they just said, like, you seem athletic, you seem like you're willing to learn, like, do you want a spot on the team? And I was like, yes, please, very much, very much. Um, but yeah, they made it very clear right off the bat, um, that they would try and have a spot for me on the team, but there would be the possibility of redshirting. Um, 
and I kind of knew what that was, but at the time I didn't think I fully understood how much work it was going to be going into it. Um, but like I said, I knew that I wanted to play post-secondary no matter what, and if this was the path that I had to take to kind of get there, then I was going to make it work, and I was willing to have that happen. And obviously, I was coming into a team that had won, what was it at the time, sev- seven? Yeah. Eight must championships? They must have been yeah. seven at the time. Um, but yeah, so I knew... I I quickly found out about the seven-time defending champions, and I also found out that I was coming onto the team where I would be middle number six. So, um, yeah, I kind of knew that that was the expectation um, going into it, so I was just uh, ready to make it work. Um, Like, as a prospective athlete, just kind of, it's really important to be self-aware, Mm-hmm. Um, about what kind of athlete you like what you are and what coaches are seeing from you um mm-hmm. and then also um it's important as the athlete to prioritize before going into the recruiting process what kind of role you're looking for on a team yeah, totally. because like um I mean being self-aware like I knew I was a little un- raw and undeveloped like but I knew that I had like the intangible pieces. I knew that I could get there. I just needed yeah. to get my foot in the door first. I needed to get myself into a program where I could learn and show that I can get better. So I knew I was going to be a role player, like right off the bat. Um, but then as well for um, uh, like knowing your roles, like I, I could have gone to a different type of school. I could have gone to a caliber of school where I would have started like at the level that I was, but mm-hmm. I may not have you know, one as much. Whereas I kind of understood that I wanted to play at, with the best and I wanted to win with the best and I was willing to contribute whatever that meant to make that happen. And if that meant taking on a lesser role, I knew going in that I was going to be okay with that. And that's why um, I think when I stepped into my redshirt role, I was mentally prepared to do that from the beginning because I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good advice, too, because everyone kind of has a different goal, I guess, too, going into university, and you never really, really know, like, what you could be getting yourself into. Totally. Skill-wise and stuff like that. Obviously, there's room for things to change, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's really good advice for people who are going into the recruiting process, looking at that, because, again, there are, yeah, some, and some people, like, they're just like, I just want as much for him as possible, and then might have to... Mm -hmm lower their expectations yeah and what they're going to like everyone has a different goal and so I love but I love that you were like tenacious enough (laughs) like this okay realistically this is maybe where I'm at but I'm still gonna try to accomplish this like I think that's that's really really oh definitely that's just like a core piece for me if I ever hit a point in my life where I feel like I've peaked like that would be that's like the worst thing I could possibly possibly think of just like constantly getting better in every aspect of life is to me that's the whole point of like doing anything so especially with something like my athletic career that means the absolute word world to me like I yeah I love that I think that's what I needed so good okay so being an athlete who's maybe not getting a ton of court time or something like that um I know in my experience can lead to like feelings of jealousy or like oh shoot like all my teammates are so much better than me like it can just there can be a negative spiral so I guess I just want to ask um how can you still be a good teammate when you're not in the role that you want so maybe you've kind of like accepted like all right I'm not gonna be you know 
an AUS all-star, but mm-hmm. I really wish that I was. So I guess how can you kind of still be a good teammate and still have self-confidence even when you're in a role that maybe you've accepted, but it's still hard to kind of come to terms with? Definitely. Ooh, that's a really good question. You worded that really nicely. I think that kind of plays back a little bit um, to what I was saying about um, understanding your priorities and what you wanted. Like, uh, you could be an AUS all-star playing on a different team, but I knew that, to me, like, being the all-star wasn't the end goal. The end goal was winning, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to put myself in the best position to do that. so that's, I think, is where I would start, um, is just understanding that about yourself as an athlete. Like, if you're given a small opportunity and it doesn't go well, like, you can spiral and go downhill from there. Yeah. But you are only going to be doing yourself a disservice if you're focusing so much on, like, how large your role is, and rather than focusing on what you're going to do with the opportunity that you're being given. Um, that's so good. My job <laughs> right there. That's it. <laughs> Me. I feel like when you play your more limited role to the best of your abilities, you are setting yourself up for more success if you are ever given the opportunity to take on a bigger role. I think that's really good. I think, because I can relate to this too, because I wasn't always a starter, like, throughout my whole career, it was, like, pretty up and down, um, like, for university, and the games where I would, like, sulk on the bench while the game was going on because I was upset that I wasn't on mm-hmm. were, like, they felt 10 times longer than they actually were because I was upset. I wasn't in totally. play, so then if I would get subbed in, I would mess up because I I wasn't actually paying attention to the game. I was thinking about how upset I was with the coach or, like, whatever. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so I think just, like, deciding that, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to be the best teammate was, like, is totally the way to go. And, okay, obviously that's, like, so obvious. and sounds It is, totally but, it's, but, but it's, it's really so difficult. Yeah. It's, it's so really, great. really not an easy thing to do at all. And that's why I give so much credit to the people that do it really, really well. Because yeah. I completely understand how yeah. difficult it is. People should be upset because, you know, everyone wants to play and everyone's, you know, of if course. Then you want to be on the court. But mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why not having a huge role is so hard, too, is because you're not really getting validated. Especially, like, from the coaching staff and stuff, because you don't... Mm-hmm. You're not the one scoring the points physically Mm -hmm. or passing Mm -hmm. the balls or whatever it is. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's also a hard part is you you feel like your role is diminished because you're not receiving as much validation as other people. And Mm -hmm. obviously that's that's just the world of sports. I don't think that's ever really going to change. And coaches are really self-aware and make people feel super involved and some don't. But yeah, I'm like, (laughs) we see you guys. We see you. I have been in that position. I'm like, decide right now to be the best teammate you can possibly be. And I think, like, good people get, like, good things in return. It's good karma. It rolls over, totally. Your opportunity will come. Mm -hmm. And if you're being a supportive teammate, I think you're going to play ten times better than if you're sulking on the bench. For Mm -hmm. personal experience, that's usually how it works. A hundred percent, yeah. If that's what, like, if being a supportive teammate is all that I leave behind in my career, I will be over the moon. Because that means more than anything else. Yeah, at the end of the day, impacted so many more people through that than hitting the fifty ones. You know, <laughs> exactly. So, last volleyball specific question: As a red shirt, who might not be getting 
as many reps in practice and obviously not competing in games, what are some tangible ways that you can still improve your game? Yeah, definitely. I know a really big thing that people are worried about when they hear redshirting is that you're not going to be on the court as much, you're not going to be getting as many reps, and therefore it's going to be tough to keep up. So I know this is like a massive concern, and I know I even had a chat with our um, redshirt this year and in the past about these types of things. So a couple of things that I kind of did over my first year um, was honestly, I learned so much from just watching and being around all these extremely like high-level um, varsity athletes. Um, and I don't think that like my fifth years, fourth years, third years at the time, like realized how much of a complete stalker I was when I was watching them. I love um, it. Yeah. And I like would a hundred percent not be the athlete that I am now if I didn't, um, really utilize the time around them that I had, because, um, like we already talked about that, that first year team that we had was kind of special and, uh, it's really unfortunate we didn't get our nationals moment because that was a really talented team, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased, but it's because I spent so much time watching and overanalyzing everything that you guys were doing. So, um, yeah, kudos to the Dalhousie 2019-2020 team. You guys were really cool. <laughs> um, anyways, um, a couple things that I did as a redshirt um, that kind of helped um, when we were at practice and I wasn't on the court was... Um, I spent a lot of time watching my own position, um, obviously watching the middle, um, running their routes and their timing. I was a little bit crazy and I would kind of end up marking on the side of the court a little bit, their timing as they were going. Um, but just watching those connections, those types of things, it makes it easier when you do get your opportunity. It's like, okay, I've seen this 17 times before. Now I can execute a little bit better than I could two days ago. Um, I also did a lot of work on communication. Um, what, again, whether or not the girls on the court could hear me at all, I was calling out and pointing where I thought the setter was going to go every single time to work on my reads and like blocking speed as a middle. Uh, and then now when I'm on the court, I can call those things with ease and it just like comes naturally. I don't even notice that I'm doing it because I spent a whole year just talking to myself on the side of the court. Um, it makes a really, really big difference. Um, and obviously a really, really big thing that's super important for um, red shirts is uh, I came in a little bit twiggy in first year, definitely more twiggy than I am now. Um, so being able to lift consistently throughout your first year um, because you're not playing games, like I would work out on game day um, because I had the time and I had the means to, um, that made a massive, massive difference in my career. I think uh, when I came in, I can't remember if it was like 9-4, 9-6, but I was not touching overtly high, especially in comparison to my girl Grace, 6-3 middle, who was touched like 10-6 or something. But like she was a full, full foot over top of me, and that's someone I'm competing with for a position for. So um, lifting was really, really huge for me, and I, I'm i not going to touch 10-6 ever, but I closed the gap on Grace a little bit, and, you know, I touched... I ended up touching 10 feet in like the very beginning of my fourth year. So yeah, I think those were, that's really what I would recommend the most. Just learn from watching, practice what you can do like off the court and just work your butt off in the gym. That's great. Thanks, Char. Such a good Thank advice. You. So I know how important your family is to you, Char. Your sisters are also athletes. 
Can you talk a little bit about how they kind of push you to be a better teammate? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because when I try and think back to like how we started to get into sport, I can't really pinpoint that exact moment because it like sport has just always been there. It's always been an absolutely massive part of my sister and I's lives. Um, we all started dancing when we were five and we started playing soccer at the exact same time. And we each played on like every single school team possible, like cross country, board and ball, all of the above, all the random ones even and everything in between. So um, yeah, it was always just there. Um, and uh, when we each turned 10, we all started playing competitive soccer. And this is where, you know, I feel so bad for my poor parents who were driving three kids to three opposite ends of the city quite literally every single day um for all these activities but we all quickly realized at really young ages that um we all really really like to win and we really like to be the best and kind of had even like a pathological need to do so so um once our parents saw how serious we all were about sports um one of the things uh, one of the biggest things that they taught us and this especially I remember coming from my dad was just that they taught us that if you want something, like, what are you going to do about it? Um, like, we are, we always correlated how bad you want something with how hard you were willing to work to get it. Um, and obviously, this is something that has really stuck with me um, over my years, as it honestly kind of really sums up, like, everything that we just spent so long talking about. Um, just, you know, like, controlling what you can control. Um so yeah, I've been really, really fortunate of saying that I've played with a lot of extremely hardworking athletes, like in high school, in club, and then of course here at Dal. Um, but none of them will ever compare to my younger sister, Evie. Um, she's honestly the most driven person I have ever met in my entire life. And I will say this to her face, and I say this to anyone who asks, but she is a total psychopath. Like, she is crazy. But I wholeheartedly believe that, like, in order to be a high-performance athlete, you have to be crazy to a certain extent. Like, no regular person would put themselves through, like, the training and the repetition and the nitpicking and making tiny little adjustments to a move, like, over and over again to make it just right. Like, that would drive any normal person crazy, right? Like, um, when I watched, like, The Last Dance, like, Michael Jordan, my biggest takeaway was that, yeah, this man is crazy. This man is yeah. insane. Because that's just, like, you have to be to be successful um, at something as as something like athletics. So, um, yeah, I, I see this so much. My, like, my sister is such a, like, blatant example of all of this. Um, so, yeah, like, I, growing up, I got to witness this day in and day out from Ev. Uh, she, when she sets her mind to something, she goes and gets it. And it is, it clearly correlates to the success that she's found in her career. Uh, she's currently playing division one soccer in the States. Uh, she started her career at the university of Connecticut and has now transferred to the university of California at Santa Barbara. Uh, so needless to say, I will be having a whole California moment this summer and I'm like extremely excited about it. She's going to be living on the beach and it's like the literal coolest thing. Like her house is insane. Like I could never, I could never dream of anything like that. So anyways, oh, cool. um, right. Super exciting stuff. Um, but anyways, um, 
when I was at home over COVID, so in like 2020, um, Abby was just at the beginning of her recruiting process. Uh, and obviously, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, when I was at home, I had nothing else to do every day but do my little dial workout. So I would wake up, get that done, maybe swim a little bit, and that was my day, and I was living my best life. Um, and it started like that until I realized that after Evie finished her high school classes every day, she would do her club workout, a club practice, a run, and then do a prospective athlete lift. And she would do that quite literally every single day. And, you know, I, I sit there and I'm like, I'm not the type of person to just let someone outdo me like that. Like, even though Evie's playing a completely different sport, she's at a completely different point in my career. I'm like, I don't want to be the person not doing that too. Like, if she can do it, so can I. So I started to push myself. I started doing more. And lo and behold, I ended up in like the best shape of my life over COVID. Um, because I was pushing myself to try and keep up with her like every single day. Um, and that's just one example of the kind of person that she is. Um, another, she kind of had a, a little rough go in her, the beginning of her second year, she had a meniscus injury and ended up needing uh, knee surgery. And then in the midst of trying to come back from that, kept getting re-injured again. So like she was out for almost a year, um, ended up in a boot at one point too. Um, and I got to watch her work so hard over her rehab to try and come back stronger than she was before. Like, for example, while she was in the boot, they told her that, you know, you're not allowed to run, which, you know, to any normal person, that would make sense. Don't run when you have this plastic thing on your foot. But she took that as, okay, I'm not allowed to run, but I can go to the gym and I can use the Stairmaster so I can keep my cardio up even though I'm not allowed to run. And the thing that I respect the most about her um, when it comes to these type of things is that she wasn't getting any recognition for doing these type of things. Like her coaches and her teammates, I don't actually think they knew that she was doing so many of these things like behind the scenes um, just to try and get back on track. Um, and to me, that just is like, that's something that you, you can't teach. Like that is just, that stems entirely from her and the type of person that she is. So um, it was only once she got back, really, that she started to get a little bit of recognition that she needed for that. Um, like after a year being off from injury, uh, she came back for fitness testing and ran the third fastest mile on her team, which as a center back is like, that's fantastic. And she achieved her goal of finishing the mile in under six minutes, which like, I could never do that. No matter how hard I tried, that's an insane feat. And yeah. um, I'm so extremely proud of her for the things that she's done to get where she is today. And I just have so much respect for it. Like, even though she's younger than me, I work day in and day out to try and live up to her. And I attribute so much of my own success to growing up and working beside her as we strive to achieve our own goals, but we were kind of doing it together, which I think is just kind of amazing. It's awesome. I'm yeah. so, I'm so happy that you had, someone to because I mean in the season you know you're surrounded by athletes constantly and it's mm -hmm. easy to find the motivation but I mean during COVID too it was oh really gosh, hard yeah. so like much. it was really hard to do anything mm -hmm. and, yeah totally I completely agree and and that's the other thing too about like having sisters is that um even though we're like pushing each other to be better like she's also one of my absolute best friends and I know that um the support that I get 
like I'm going to be supportive by her and by the rest of my family, like always first and foremost. Um, another really good example of that is, um, uh, actually this past year in March, my youngest sister, Gwen, who is currently, uh, playing soccer for St. Lawrence college in Kingston. Now, um, she actually flew out with my mom to come to nationals, uh, to come watch our games. And, um, if you watch back, uh, the bronze medal game in particular, between like literally every single point, the camera will go to this crazy lady in the stands with these like the big yellow blow up sticks, little girl in the bright yellow doll hoodie standing beside her. And they're both just like on their feet screaming like the whole entire time. Like, yeah. And that, that was my mom and my sister. So, um, honestly like that, that game was like probably one of the most incredible moments of my athletic career to this point. And it means so much more to me that I got to share that with them like obviously um we're all working so hard but the fact that they took the time and especially my sister took the time away from like her high school team and her club team and everything that was going on at the time to come out and support me just it it meant the absolute world to me like in in 20 years from now I may not remember like stats from that game or scores from those sets but I'm going to remember that I got to go to the stands and I got to give them a big hug after that was done. And yeah, I really, I really can't think of anything better than how I felt in that moment. And the fact that I got to share that with them. I know I, and that was a huge game for me too. And I wasn't even there. <laughs> I was in Toronto. Like it was St. Patrick's day mm-hmm. and everyone was like going out. I was literally in my apartment, like, sweating profusely like oh totally I and you guys went out and just played incredible and I'm just so proud of you but that that was a crazy game oh my god I like the the script writers were on something for that game I yeah I can't even formulate words like I would say that's honestly it sounds dramatic I'm like that was like the greatest moment of my life like to this point (laughs) Like, I don't know, when we talk about, like, how much we love winning, like, it, it it's all for that moment. Like, all the, we went through a lot that year. There was a lot of ups and downs and a lot of crazy things that happened. And just to say that it all came together and we got to feel that way that we did at the end, like, it makes every single second of it worth it. Like, every single sacrifice that we made. Um, yeah. Oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it again. No, I think <laughs> History was made that day. Yeah, geez. It was um, it was really big for Dell, but also really big for the US conference. Mm-hmm. Because we had been going out to nationals and we almost won bronze. I think it was my third year. Yes, but, that was the year before I came. Yeah. Yeah, and winning bronze is big because you get another berth for the conference for mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. No, it definitely. It definitely meant so much. But yeah, anyways, just to kind of sum, sum my sisters up, like, honestly, I, th- I truly believe that if you want to improve and if you want to get better, surround yourself with other driven people. Um, that was actually a really huge reason why I, I chose to come to Dallas and I chose to come to this competitive program because um, I see these same traits that I see in my sisters. I see it in every single one of my teammates. And like, honestly, I could name drop any one of them right now as a hard worker but um 
if I look specifically at like my my middle group of uh, Grace and Ella and Cass and Maddie, um, we are all pushing each other uh, day in and day out to be better as we compete for roles and for spots on the court. Um, but I know that at the end of the day, we will support each other no matter what. And we are always rooting for each other no matter what. Like, I really hope that they know that I am quite literally each of their absolute biggest fans. Like, uh, there's nobody who I want to succeed more in any form of life than those girls. Um, and I, too, have felt an abundance of love and acceptance from each of them as well. Like, again, if we go back to the bronze medal game, uh, I subbed in for Ella at one point and... Uh, ended up like getting a kill and if you watch the bench in the video there's quite literally nobody screaming and cheering more than Ella like she's quite literally almost on the court because she's just storming it because she's so like excited and I I truly hope that she understands how much that that meant to me um and that that is like the type of teammate that I want to be better for and that I want to win for um, and for her and the rest of my middle buddies like they're all just such wonderful examples of everything that we've talked about today. Um, I got super lucky to be born into a family of driven people um, and I got even more lucky that I chose a team of incredible girls that just turned out to be just like my sisters so I know that's super sappy or whatever but I like fully believe that and if I look back at my career and at the decisions that I made to get here um I can confidently say at this point that I wouldn't change a single thing so yeah that's awesome and I think it's such a special relationship with a teammate to be competing but at the same time be able to support them and I think it's not because mm -hmm. it, it is hard and it is. You know, you, you want to be easy to find. Yeah, yeah. Like genuinely. And that's what I think Grass and I would talk so much about is just like the quality of teammates that we were around. Once you find those people, like keep them because they are just hard, hard to find. Oh, totally. I 100% agree. And to me, that is like what signifies a strong team like no matter whether you win or you lose no matter your results like that is the thing that matters the most okay moving on from that can you talk a little bit about the work you do with greater love Dell and how someone could possibly get involved in it i also don't know anything about <laughs> what this is greater love Dell, because <laughs> i did not go to Dell. so if you <laughs> fill in the listeners who don't go to Dell, what is this initiative and why should someone be a part of it? Of course. Um, so Greater Love Dell is a student-led organization that focuses on bringing a sense of community to those who are experiencing homelessness in the community. So essentially what we do is once a week we get together a group of volunteers and we go and we walk around the downtown area, downtown Halifax area um, with little snack bags and we just seek out to kind of make a connection and chat with um the people who are around um, because obviously there's a, a really tough stigma about people who are experiencing homelessness and at the end of the day what I've learned through this initiative is that um, we as the general population don't know everybody's story and not everybody who is on the streets is in the same position so 
Um, for those of you who don't know, there's a massive housing crisis going on in Halifax right now. Um, and there's only so much that we as individuals can really do to make a change. But something that you can do is be kind to people. Uh, and that's really what the purpose of our society is. It's to um, let those people know that they're not alone, um, that they're not kind of like the outcasts of society. It's that we see them. We just kind of give them support and try to bring that sense of community back to kind of let them know that they're they're not alone. So, yeah, it's um, it's a really, really humbling experience. Obviously, we're sitting here, we're talking about the struggles of, oh, I don't get to be the one on the court yeah. hitting the volleyball. And obviously not invalidating everybody's problems. That does suck. I understand. But um, when you put everything to, into perspective, there's a lot of people who are in a lot worse situations. So um, like I said, the Halifax housing crisis is really, really bad right now. And uh, this is the most people that I've seen out and about on outreaches in the five years that I've been here and since I've been involved with the society. And it's, it's completely devastating because um, when you get around and you're chatting to people, like the majority of them have jobs mm -hmm. and it's just that they don't have a job that's paying enough to pay for $3,000 rent a month. And that's just completely unfair because having a home and having shelter is like, to me, the bare minimum necessity mm -hmm. um, of living, so, sorry, just existing in the yeah. world. So... Yeah, it's a really, really fantastic initiative. If people are looking to get involved, I would say, first of all, plug, follow us on Instagram at GreaterLoveDal. That's where all of our information will be. That's where you can sign up for our weekly outreaches. We honestly will walk around for like half hour, hour, um, depending on how many people are out. Um, we have a lot of people that we have seen really consistently over um, the past years that this um, society has been a thing. So there's a lot of people that we know by name and who uh, know that we'll be out on Saturdays at noon. So they make their way up to Spring Garden so that they can have a chat with us. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really nice way to spread positivity throughout the community, especially in a, to help a cause that can seem so hopeless at times. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing, Char. I know like, Oh, I can't even imagine what a lot, like all these people are going through and just like how you were saying, like we're talking about our problems and it's all relative, obviously, but mm -hmm. yeah, it really does put things in perspective and just the simple act of being kind. I think like I just know that giving people the time of day and like making people feel human and having a conversation with someone who maybe is just usually, you know, looked completely like someone looks through them. Mm -hmm. stopping and having a conversation with them like I just know that you're making such a positive impact on these people's lives and so I just want to like commend you for that it's really awesome and thank you today. no thank you for asking about it it's <laughs> not, it's definitely not something that um it's not a super well-known society yet so we're we're working to try and fix that and I really appreciate you guys allowing me to talk about it okay we have a really hard-hitting question to end uh-oh, I'm prepared. It's going to cause you to think and and sweat. Okay, who's going to win the Super Bowl and why? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, that is a really, like, soft subject at the moment. No, because kind of a loaded question because uh, Julie told yeah. me that you're a huge Bills fan. So. I was 
I was like totally devastated last night after that. I knew would be. That was just so upsetting. Um, I I thought that this was the year they were gonna go the distance. You know, that was Patrick Mahomes' like first road game ever. I was like, that's how we're gonna get him. Bills Mafia is gonna pull through. Yeah. Lo and behold, that did not happen. Um, so now my whole like plan of how I thought things were gonna go is like totally in shambles. Um. I really don't know. After my Bills loss, I, th- I think it'll be Baltimore that'll come out of the AFC. Uh, I think if you, I think they're the strongest ones left standing. I think that Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes game is going to be fiery, and it's going to be a super fun one to watch. But I think Lamar's going to pull through. On the other side, you know what? That's going to be tough, too. Like, last team's is uh, San Francisco and Detroit. Honestly, I think I got to go for Detroit in that one. Um, they haven't, that was their first like home playoff game in like 33 years. I love a good underdog story. So I'll take a Ravens Detroit Super Bowl. And then you know what? I think I'm going to take Lamar. Let's go with the Baltimore Ravens to win the whole thing. <laughs> first, folks, that's where we're locked that's in. Go. <laughs> that's awesome. How did you yeah. get so into NFL? Oh my gosh. Um, I can tell you exactly what it was. I remember being like super little at home and my dad just had like a random game on or whatever. And he started poking at my mom being like, Ooh, mom likes the Patriots because she likes Tom Brady. (laughs) And in my little child ears, I didn't pick up on the fact that he was making fun of her. And I was like, Oh, well, if mom likes Tom Brady, then I must like Tom Brady too. And so I started watching it from there. And, um, yeah, he was my favorite player forever. I was also a huge Gronk fan. Um, nice. Obviously, they're both retired now, which is devastating. Um, so my allegiances have changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's it was 100% my mom. That's it was awesome. the fact that my, my mom is the one who's the huge Bills fan. So uh, nice. yeah, it was definitely her. I love that. That's so fun. And my fantasy football team, too. I... Didn't win this year, but that's okay because I didn't lose. So <laughs> that's all that matters. I didn't need to do punishment at the end. So you love to see it. That's so cool. I love it. Okay. Oh, yeah. What is next for Captain Shardati? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really liking this nickname. It's really going to catch on after this. Um, oof, that's a great question. Well, I still have one more year left in my degree um, because I decided to add co op. So I've been doing. Uh, I've been working as a project coordinator in the, for a general contractor, so in the construction business right now, um, and I absolutely loved it. I just did an eight-month term and had the time of my life, so I think after I graduate, I'm going to kind of end up pursuing that. I really enjoyed the idea of like not being in the office every day and kind of getting to be at different sites and seeing different projects and your no project is ever, no two projects are ever going to be the same. So um, I really like that aspect of working in construction. So I think I'm going to see where that goes for a little bit. And you'll stay on the East Coast, or that is now that is a loaded question. <laughs> um, I really, really don't know. I don't know. I mean, I how could you not absolutely love it out here? It's it's kind of fantastic, but uh, I honestly think it'll 
I, I'll end up going where the job takes me. That's another mm-hmm. really cool thing about construction is uh, there's a lot of opportunities to do uh, projects in different places. I know my supervisor uh, on my last term uh, did some work like up in Nunavut uh, or in Alberta or Vancouver. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why I like construction is that kind of leaves that open-ended question more open because I can do a lot of more things with it. So we're just going to have to see where that takes me. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> okay, I think that wraps up today's episode. Once again, thank you to Charlotte for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. You two are just absolute inspirations and such lovely people. So any chance I get to chat with you just makes my day better. So I really appreciate it. You have so much fun. You're awesome, Mark. <laughs>